Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. Today on the show, folks, we're covering the Whispering Vault, and we have such wonderful sights to show you. Ha <laughs> ha, I worked the only joke that matters into the intro. Fuck you, John. Puzzle Box, Pinhead. It's basically Cenobites the Hellraising on today's System Mastery. And welcome back. Folks, I am your host, Jeff. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, John. How the heck are you? I, uh, I'm i dying. Uh, man, you gotta stop this. I don't know what's going on, man. The, the thing is, this has become a periodical event where, like, we're kind of recording your life. Like, this has become a video diary of your slow death. Because this is like the fifth or sixth episode in a row where I've asked how you are, and you're just like, I'm sick, I'm getting sicker, I'm dying. <laughs> Yeah, man, I got, I can, I can, I can hear a little bit out of one of my ears. My nose all messed up, coughing up stuff. I think I got the consumption. I don't even know why I'm still. Oh wait, yes, I do know why I'm still making you this because they won't pay me all the money if it's just me on the show. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll try. Lord knows, once you die, I'll try the new system mastery solo. That's okay. Once once I die, you can just spill a little blood in the room where I am, and then I'll come back as a weird flesh zombie. <laughs> yeah, fuck oh. you. I'll make more references. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Dragging it back around to the Cenobites, huh? Jesus wept. <laughs> How mad are you that I got the, we got such sights to show you in there in the intro? <laughs> the only thing I know about this besides puzzle boxes and that there's a fat guy. Oh, yeah, Butterball yeah, and Chatterbox and, chat. and Lady Cenobite. <laughs> Lady Cenobite. Can we talk about Lady Cenobite for like 45 minutes, please? <laughs> How come all the other ones get cool names and her name is Lady Cenobite? Right? I mean, unless that's her actual name. Like, yo, I'm Lady Cenobite, like Lady Marmalade. <laughs> that's what she, She's just like if you were Lady Human. Exactly. What's up? I'm Lady Human. I'm a uh, radical slam poet. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I went to a slam poetry thing and someone was like, I'm Lady Human, and I'm here to talk about my rights. I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's right, okay. On the other hand, if someone were like, Lady Cenobite is pH balanced for a woman's needs, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, too. So yeah, I'm also sure. I'm also on board with her just being a stick of deodorant. <laughs> Once a day, Lady Cenobite. <laughs> Men won't understand. Lady Cenobite. Now available in Boston Cream Pie and Key Lime. Uh, but can adults see why kids love the great flavor of Lady Cenobite? <laughs> Because there's Cenobites swirled in every bite. <laughs> That's a horrifying thing. So, we we sure are doing a great job about talking about the Hellraiser franchise, if... <laughs> If that's what people wanted, yeah, and, and the only wanted. and the only wanted to hear some some folks talk about the first two movies because that's all I've seen. Yeah, well, that's all that's really worth it. I mean, I've seen some of the other ones, and it is just it's just garbage town. <laughs> it just gets more and more dire. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of the first Hellraiser. As a as a horror fan, it's one of those movies that I should like and I just don't. Yeah, I I didn't. I felt the same. I did about it. As I do about a lot of horror movies, which is, wow, this looks like they got away from being uh, having to make a good movie by saying it's horror. Yeah. That seems to be my, the usual standard of, of uh, horror movies is, we don't have to make good quality things because it's a horror movie. Ha ha, fuck you. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this dumb doll. It's scary, you guess. Horror. Uh, yep. So, 
Anyway, this game that we're reviewing is clearly just Cenobites the Hellraising. Yeah, so Whispering Vault. The Whispering Vault. Which, the Whispering Vault is a thing in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, the weird thing is, for a game that really wants to be like, you're Cenobites and this is horror, and it keeps mentioning to have a horror tone. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. And, and, you know, the art is amazingly gross in a lot of places throughout oh, yeah. the book. It's one of the few, like, weird little black and white, like, line drawing art books. Yeah. That looks good oh like yeah it goes with the theme much the, better than the writing does they really did a great job on the little bits of horror art and, and not just in the actual images but in like the layout the margins are all covered and it looks like if clive barker had take, taken on sergio aragonis's career yeah there's just gross shit happening in the margins and it's it's fun to watch no i i really appreciate the the art and the goofy little things going on that way in this book yeah absolutely but the the actual tone of the book, as much as it really wants to be horror, is just sort of adventure, I guess. Well, it's weird because it's very formulaic. Yeah, like th- that was the weirdest thing to me when I was reading through it. Is is that it's it's a uh, like sort of a, a formula that you play through every time. Like it, it, the I, I sent you an instant message about it a couple days ago, which I'm sure you didn't read because you were probably just completely unconscious. Yeah, I was just sort of I don't know, doubled over somewhere, I'm, praying to every god I could conceive of. Yeah, I could see you just sort of crying and, and, and screaming in a bathroom <laughs> because you can't get out of there because Lord knows you're not allowed to leave. Yeah. I could see that. So, But my, I sent you what I thought was like how you play this game, which was, okay, so your plan is some Hellraiser guy. Like You should definitely make a character who looks like a goofy monster. Uh, make sure your monster's extra goofy. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden you get a call on your ghost phone or something, or or like a, a Hellraiser sense is tingling. You, you get your ghost pager goes off, and you're yeah. like, huh. Oh, shit, I got hips to swerve. <laughs> <laughs> and so you react to that by either ignoring it, which you're totally okay with doing if you just don't want to go on an adventure today, yeah. or you call a giant worm, and the giant worm shows up and is like, hey, sup? He opens up his giant worm mouth, and you and your group just sort of head on in there, and you start walking down the giant worm because he's a tunnel that leads to Earth. And on the way, you stop at a wall because the wall's like, hey, you dicks, you can't go through here. Like, there's always some kind of wall that's like, hey, guys, you can't pass through. And you have to bop it on the nose and be like, bitch, I'm a Hellraiser. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a, what are they even called, guardians or uh, stalkers, I think? I'm a, I'm a stalker. I think it's stalker. Yeah. And, and then the wall's supposed to be like, oh, okay, you're, you're cool, you can go. I, I love that there's always a guardian, mm-hmm. and the guardian is just supposed to be there to stop non-stalkers. But the book is like, but sometimes it gets full of itself, and it'll even question stalkers. Yeah, so you have to you have to fight it. Normally, you can get past it by just being real intimidating and being like, like you know, fuck you, I'm a stalker. Yeah, you just walk up and you're like, bitch, I am Pinhead. Did you not hear? <laughs> have you heard the good news about me? I am Pinhead. <laughs> get out of the way. Swerve, bitch. Pinhead coming through. Bro, do you even hook? <laughs> It's good meat hook season. I bet you didn't even know. <laughs> uh, peasant memes. Peasant memes, but with pinhead. Uh, fabulous. Someone make that for us, please. It's going to be real easy. Just put a bunch of lines coming out of the peasant's head. Yeah, it's great. So so at that point, you get past the wall, finish walking through until the worm poops, poops you out on the other side, and now you are at Earth at some point because you can go to any point in time and history. Yeah, well, you have to talk to one of the weavers first. Oh, that's right. At the end of the worm, you come across a little, like, five-cent psychiatrist kiosk, and there's Lucy Van Weaver sitting there, and she's like, Sup, what physical stats would you like? Yeah, you get to pick what your stats are every adventure, 
but just your physicals. You have four mental stats and three physical stats, and for every adventure, you get to re-choose your physicals. Yeah, one of your main sort of ethereal stats will determine how many points you get to put in your physicals. Yeah, So I think that's willpower? Yep, your yeah. willpower will determine... Essentially, how much meat you can put on you, so that's that's what you get. Are you a lady centibite or a butterball? You can make the decision. Or, based on the amazing art from this book, are you a man with a baseball for a head? I love that picture so goddamn much. You have no idea. I'm going to scan it and use it for the, for the, <laughs> the cover image. It's the greatest thing ever. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, you get good stats for a human regardless. Because even if your willpower is fairly low, you're still going to have, like, good for human stats yeah because it's it's humans range from one to five centibytes or i'm sorry stalkers uh don't operate under such restrictions and can get as high as like eights and nines yeah like the the thing is they're like oh yeah if you get to a five you're basically like the best human that's ever been at whatever you put that in yeah you're a captain america at five yeah um, and you can get up to, like, six or seven or whatever and just be like, well, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's even assumed that you'll have a six to eight somewhere in one of your defensive stats so that you can you can sort of be very survivable. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, to finish off the story, once you, you have the Weavers make you up a corpus, and then you take that body, head off into the real world, and use your skills, because this game's skills are all mandatory to furthering the adventure. Yeah. So you'll use your things like binding and sensitivity and presence and what have you to detect the Enigma. And the Enigma is a place in the fabric of reality where some local god has decided, you know, fuck Well, it's where the unbidden has come through. Yes, because the unbidden are like these local... Well, they're not unbidden until they come through. Yeah. Before that, they're just like, I'm an aesthetic. I'm the basic concept of reality in this area. And I want to play skee-ball, yo. So I'm going to pop through reality and go do that. I, I love that as the idea. Because <laughs> the whole point of the aesthetics is it's like there's the... The old gods, the ones who are like, we've survived the death of universes and we're always here. And then the aesthetics are what they create to create reality. Mm -hmm. Because the aesthetics are just asleep and dreaming reality. And occasionally, some of them look at what's going on in reality and are like, nah, but I want to get in on that. Like, <laughs> I want some of that flesh action. Oh, sweet. What the hell? Is that a California burrito? Yeah, hook me up, bro. Yeah, no, uh, I'm coming through. I'm done dreaming about reality. I'm going to go get me a California burrito and a large Diet Coke. So when they, they come through, it fucks reality up somehow. Mm -hmm. But then they also are, like, ridiculously disoriented and fucked up, and there's, like, three stages of unbidden. Yeah, they have to go through kind of like a cocoon phase to get to being a cool unbidden. But they don't even know why they're doing it. They just pop through because they're like, ooh, I have... I have perver yeah, perverse desires about flesh, and I want to get in there. It's never actually, oh, man, I want to play some skee-ball and eat a corn dog. It's always like, man, I got to take people apart and see what kind of goops they got in them. Oh, yeah. It's always like, oh, I got to just rub bits of flesh on me, or I got to rearrange dudes so they look like giraffes. I need like, to get a oh, fine. <laughs> I need to make a Christmas tree garland out of eyeballs and put that shit up because it's festive. Yeah, it's it's always some weird, like, Cenobite Martha Stewart shit. Yeah, it's like the bad Cenobite, because, you know, your basic pinhead and so on doesn't want to do that shit, except to, like, you know, villains. Well, yeah, they, they come out and they're like, oh, you wanted uh, to see some sights? Well, here we go, motherfucker. Yeah, so these guys, these unbidden, are closer to, like, that evil doctor in the second one, the new hospital Cenobite. They're like they're like too evil to, for the other pinhead or the other centibytes to deal with, and so you get sent off as the Ginyu force of of uh, <laughs> of uh, pinheads and centibytes and what have you, and you have to go stop this dude. And sometimes it's not a dude. Sometimes reality just broke in an area because of like magic or something, 
and you have to go out there and solve a puzzle. And when that happens, you just show up, use your sensitivity to find the one thing in the room that's all magically wrong, fix it. It's usually some kind of puzzle. And then just call up the worm again and go home. Well, you know, it's a little more complicated than that. But, you know, let's let's get into the basics, the the basic stats first. <laughs> sure. I, mean, I think we're done here. I already, I already established everything about the game. Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to support our Patreon. <laughs> all, you, all you needed to know was there's weird, goopy shit, and you're up in it. There's a baseball head man. That's really all you need to know. <laughs> Dude, the baseball head man is the best. Uh, okay, so... So sure, here are the four basic mental stats that you will need in order to play this game. Yep. There are awareness, uh, presence, insight, and willpower. Now, all of these are going to inform things for you as well. So, like, insight is going to be determining your skills. Yeah. Those you're going to get. They they determine your skill points, although there are skills in each one of the four types uh, for for category of what your, like, base role is. Oh, yeah. So you'll have, like... The well, we'll get into the mechanics of how it works later. But your insight's going to determine how many points you get for skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we said, your willpower is going to determine how many points you get for your physicals. Yeah. So when you go to Earth, how much meat you can assign to your three physical stats? Yeah. Uh, and then I forget what the I know. Presence is mostly just really good for doing anything mystical. Uh, I think one of them controls your access to what are called. Uh, what do they call it? There's disciplines, which are like your uh, your powers, basically, yeah. and then there's servitors, which are your oh uh, yeah the minions, the you minions can you can summon. So I think each one of those controls one of those two. Uh, so I think insight controls your your disciplines, and uh, presence controls your willpower, your, your servitors. Like it's the amount of each one you get. Yeah. So the all of those control a thing. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of go how you want to go. So if you want to go higher in one stack, because you're like, oh, I want to be all about like weird superpowers and be like a crazy superhero centibite, then you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can be like, no, I just want really good physical stats while I'm in the actual realm. Yeah, or, or you, you can be the skill monkey. Yeah. Or you can be the summoner, which is the, the last option, because that's you can summon all kinds of different little monsters that are all kind of single-purpose demon-y things that... They're like, oh, we all eat flashlights, and here we are, we're going to eat all your flashlights. Yeah, and man, that is just the worst. Almost all of the, like, servitors that you can get are only good for dealing with mortals. Like, your actual job of finding the unbidden and beating him, Mm -hmm. they do not work against. So for the main goal of this game... Servitors are just garbage town. Yeah, the book, you know, in the back, it kind of goes over what would happen if you wanted to just deal with some mortals for an adventure. Like, oh, you have to go to the 14th century because the Knights Templar are on the verge of figuring out how to get to this hell dimension that we live in. Yeah. So you got to go stop them. And and those are supposed to be like your easy minion fight adventures where you're just like, we, we show, we roll up on these mortals and just mess with them. Yeah. We rip them into little bits and we check out the little bits by holding them up and being like, hmm, curious. This is a little bit of man. (laughs) What is a little bit of man? A miserable bit of secrets. <laughs> I pick up what you're putting down. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the... So, the weird thing with that is the servitors are mostly just sort of garbage town, but you can get a couple uses out of them. Well, yeah, you can make you can have fun with them. They are visually interesting as a concept. If you're like, oh, I summon a whole bunch of bats into the room, and the bats immediately make it dark out, but they're too... Or, or the ones that just spin in place and have knives... Oh, yeah. You can just summon a whole room full of knifey, spinny men. But the thing is, they only hurt people who haven't been hurt yet. Yeah. So they're good for an <laughs> alpha, alpha, and then you're done. Yeah. 
But if someone went before you and punched the guy you were trying to hurt, you're like, oh, God damn it. Well, yeah, but that's why you have team coordination. Yeah. I mean, I I don't remember exactly how initiative works in this game. I don't remember if it was an actual codified initiative system or not. Yep. It is? Uh, Well, that's too bad. So you really only want... based on your decks. Okay, well, then you just want to take that one if you're good at going first. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, you can... uh, you can do a lot of stuff with presence, though, mm-hmm. that doesn't have to do with uh, the servitors, which is at least good because it makes it a good stat still. Because all of your stuff, like binding and all that, which you have to do in order to stop an unbidden, mm-hmm. takes a presence roll. Yeah. So you want at least one person on your team to be like, okay, fine, I'm the presence guy. I've got a bunch of goofy little things I can summon, but I'm also the dude that does... All of the weird mysticism shit. I'll be the cleric. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because because uh, the present skill list includes banish and bind. And this isn't a game where you can get by, by without taking all of the like super necessary skills. Like, in order to make an unbidden go back to the home dimension, you have to straight up bind him. You have to do... And it's not just bind... It's straight up uh, Steven Universe bubbling. You have to you have to get over there and energy him and, and energy him until he turns into a little bubble of energy, and then you can move that around with your brain, and then you have to take that thing to the vault and open up the vault and throw him in there. Yeah, you go over to the whispering vault and toss that dude in there. Yeah, probably. And, and it's probably. one of the punishments you can give. Them. Yeah, sometimes you can just kill them. Yeah, sometimes is, you're like, I'm just gonna make you a human instead of being a weird powerful god thing. Yeah, that's uh, there's uh, there's like four things you can do. One of them is straight up let him go. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna give you a ten minute head start. You're you. like, oh, you buddy. <laughs> you make a really good argument. Corn dogs and skee ball does sound great. <laughs> there you go, you'll scamp. Oh, you now quit ripping shrimp scampi. You can have all you can have all the shrimp scampi and corn dogs you want, but you gotta quit quit ripping vulvas out of people, man. That's not cool. <laughs> not cool, bro. Not cool. <laughs> Look, man. There's rules here in society. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no rules. A hot dog is definitely a sandwich. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, shit. Now we got to throw you in the vault. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza. Yes. <laughs> oh, truly, this is a horror game. <laughs> so, uh, so you have to have a lot of the skills in the system. Like, you can't find these unbidden without using the sensory skill. I, I Perception, I think it's called. That, that's let, that lets you sniff them out and locate them. You have to have binding to get rid of them. You have to have banish because it's the only way to get rid of their minions. Yeah, there's a lot of skills. And the book at least tells you they're like, uh, don't neglect these. Like, at least a couple people are going to want to have points in these because they're basically necessary. Yes. So those are your four mental skills. Now, whenever you go to meat space and you get to plaster yourself up with some meat and be a man, uh, you get three more new, brand new stats that you don't normally bother with, and those are dexterity, fortitude, and strength. And I bet you can figure out what all three do. Yep. The uh, the only thing with strength is if you get a strength up to, like, six, you're basically better than a gun if you punch a guy. Yes. And uh, the combat system in this, if you shoot a guy, you are garbage town at it anyway. Oh, yeah, because this is one of those games. We, we played another one where, uh, I forget when that played, but reviewed another one where... Uh, yeah, it was the uh, the Highlander one. Yeah, I, that's right, where you get worse the farther you are from someone. Yeah, because they're like, uh, it's your weird aura, it's the, um, the whatever that immortal thing was. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't even remember what that game was. It's the one that we we gave a copy away. No, no I know. I, I'm not. I'm not. Den- I'm not doubting where you're going with this. I, I remember the game. I just don't remember what it was called. Yeah. So but we've reviewed too many games, John. Yeah. It's uh. It's a mortal war. 
Is, is it? I thought that was Immortal the... In- oh, wait, Immortal the Invisible War? That was the one? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. So I was thinking it's because the- your, your weird aura has to touch your their weird aura. Yeah, your Himsati has to touch. I'm sorry. I was thinking of a completely different Highlander ripoff that we reviewed. Yes, because we did do two of them. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm back on, I'm back on the case now. Yeah, the other one. So that is the other one where it was like, oh, yeah, you got to be right up next to him because... If you use a gun, that's just not worth it. You're, they you're introduce, a coward. They introduce this concept called die caps, and this is a D6 game. Yeah. And die caps have to be the most die caps have to be the most ball busting mechanic I've seen in a long time. Like in terms of like tactile feel when you're playing the mechanic. Because the way they work is all right, if you shoot a guy, you have a die cap of five, which means if you roll your D6s, you have to discard any sixes you roll to damage because you can't have sixes. Yep. And that's got to be so disappointing when you roll a bunch of dice and you're like, yeah, I got a bunch of... Si- oh. oh, yeah. These no, don't- it's, it is so punishing when it shows up yeah. that it's... Uh, it, I mean, I'm sure that you could have just done a different type of you do less damage or whatever and it would average out to the same. Yeah, sixes but count the- as fives or something like that. Your maximum damage you can roll is this. Yeah. For the player, when you see that, though, and you're like, oh, I've got five dice of damage and you roll it and you get three sixes, you're like... Motherfucker. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fairly punishing mechanic, and the fact that the die cap I saw it as low as as three in the system. So well, yeah, because you can get something where you're like, uh, I'm at range and I'm scared, and I'm using a human weapon. Yeah, that'll that'll bring you right there. That gives you the die cap of three. At which point you're discarding fours, fives, and sixes. Which is why am I even doing anything at this point? Yeah, it's hilarious because one of the core disciplines in the game which are the powers you can get is rend which is a kind of generic word for ranged attack because since you're building your own custom goo monster uh you can build them however you want so rend can be anything it could be a a meat hook flying out or a protoplasmic tentacle or a ball of hellfire or something so however you want to hit someone at range yeah but rend by itself because it's a ranged attack always comes with a die cap of five so it's like right off the bat, if you pick this, you've made a mistake because you should just take the one that's mortal damn the uh, the weapon one. Well, yeah, there's savage, that's which it. is plus two to your strength essentially, mm-hmm. and then there's rend, which is the ranged attack, and the only other one worth taking is, I think, frenzy, which gives you an extra attack. Yes, but it fucks up your die pool. Yeah, but not that much. It's like a it's like a two die pool removed. Yeah. So to accuracy. The other really weird thing about the die mechanic in this game I noticed, and I don't know if you saw this or if I'm just crazy, is that you it's not an opposed role system with attacks and defenses. Oh, yeah. No, everything is based on the player. And also the player's skill or the opponent's skill level. So when someone tries to hit you, they roll against your defense, and then you don't roll your defense against their attack. You roll your, at- your defense against their attack value. Yeah, they're... Basically, the DM only rolls dice when they are dealing damage. Yes. Uh, Every antagonist in the book uh, and anything you would make up will have an attack stat. Mm -hmm. And instead of that being like for your character, you'll have that and it'll be the dice you roll and what you get as a bonus and all that. Mm -hmm. For the NPC, it's just a value. So let's say it's 13 is my attack stat. So when I attack, I'm just attacking with a 13 and you roll your defense stat to see if you can beat the 13. Yes. And that's the same thing with their defense. It's just, I have a defense of 15. Did you roll 15 or higher? Great, then you hit. Yeah. And then there are a bunch of modifiers to it, because the game's old enough that it needs a lot of modifiers. Uh, So 
I don't remember exactly when this game was published, but uh, it, it is an older game. It's from around uh, 1994. Yeah. Now, the, the weird thing about the dice mechanic in this that I thought was interesting, but is also just awful to me, is the way that you do anything like a skill check or attack or anything like that is you'll have your die pool, and that's based on your stats. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's dexterity or presence or whatever you're doing. Now, whatever your stat number is, that's how many dice you get to roll. Yeah. However, what you keep from that is the highest die that number that you got or the highest in a grouping of the same number. Yeah. So if you roll dice and you get, you know, one, two, three, four, five, you rolled a five. Yes, which can be disappointing. But if you rolled like one, three, three, four, five, you actually got a six because you got two threes. Or if you got two fives, you'd have a ten and so on. I gotta imagine how disappointed you are those times when you roll like one, two, two, four, five. Oh yeah. And you're that, like, oh, that's good. why I hated the system, is because I kept looking at it going like, Oh, I know you think it's really interesting that you're gonna get like pairs and multiple things of whatever in order to do stuff, but a lot of the time, like the ones through threes, if you get doubles of them, there's a very good chance that you're just not going to use it anyway. Yeah, you're not going to care. Like, I, I couldn't quite tell. Uh, do you get to use multiples above two dice? Like, if you roll four yes. fours, is it 16? Yes. Okay. It's basically the only way you can do certain things in this game is actually to get, like, three fives or three sixes because, like, your base defense for, uh, like, most of the unbidden and the minions and stuff like that is going to be around 15-ish, mm-hmm. like 13 to 15. And the book says that it has one of those charts that's like, an 8 is a routine, and a 10 is an easy, and it goes on like that. Right. But a, a 13 to 15 is in the like hard to very hard category. Yeah, and that's like every monster. And that's everything. Yeah. So that was one of the weird things looking through this book. I was looking at the monsters going like, man, unless you really invest in combat you are mostly just sitting back there going like you go get him combat guy well it's interesting because the book makes that assumption but at least the book tells you it made that assumption because there's a section on monster design in this book which i thought was actually very nice for for a game this old yeah to have a section on how to build your own monsters and it's like hey okay so work out the amount of hit points that that your monster is going to have here's how you do this Take like 13 to 28, because that's the amount of damage that a well-built combat character should be pumping out every turn. And you're probably going to have two of those guys in your party, so if you want your monster to last more than a turn, give it more than this number of hit points. Yeah, and there's an odd thing with the way hit points work in this, because you've got vitality, Mm -hmm. which is your actual hit points, Yeah, but that's going to be a fairly low number. But the reason for that is, if I hit someone and I do like... 24 damage. What you then do is compare that against their fortitude. Yeah, don't you divide divide it it by fortitude. Yeah, that's the weirdest. So if I have a fortitude of 6, then I actually did 4 vitality and not 24. Right. Which means that uh, it's interesting because if you have a really low vitality, then raising it's like crazy important, but it gets slightly less important as you raise it up. Well, the thing is you always round down as well, which is the other thing. So even if you're like, oh, I did like 4.9, you're like, no, you did 4. Yeah, but I'm just thinking of like, if someone hits you for 72 damage and you have 8 vitality, then you're like, yes, I took 9 damage. But if you're like, I'm going to spend the crazy amount of XP it takes to get to 9 vitality, I take 8 damage. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, but that's uh, those are, so those hitting are, you for that much. Uh, that's, those, those are fairly high numbers. So uh, 
here, so here's an interesting thing. The skills are broken down, like we mentioned earlier, into the four mental categories. And I want to go through the quick breakdown of what's in each one of them. Okay. So we've got uh, under awareness is mending, which is your ability to kind of heal. Yeah. It's heal yourself and others as needed. Yep. And by the way, these range with bonuses that you get by putting... When you get like, oh, I have 12 skill points because I of what my starting uh, awareness was, th- you get uh, points that you put into each one of these. Well, yeah, and you, you start, have, and it goes like here. You can have a couple with a plus four. Yeah, you get a couple more with a plus three. Well, the important thing is that you don't. There are no skills in this game that your character doesn't have. Your untrained value is just zero, so you yes. can always try you can to do banish. Everything. Yeah, you you have every skill. You're only controlling how good you are at, at the uh, at the ones you'd like to be good at. Yeah. So, uh, mending, perception, and sensitivity. Perception is your ability to see things. Sensitivity is straight up magic detection. It's the one that you literally 100% need it. Yeah, I mean, the the enigma, which is usually just like whatever weird thing is radiating the stuff that's wrong, because it'll make the area weird. Yeah. Like, you can have, like, the area is oddly time-displaced or... It's haunted. Reality is different here. It, it makes the area haunted so that you can easily tell that there's Hellraisers around here. Yeah. And, you know, I, I liked some of them in that they were like, oh, yeah, sometimes it's like your PCs show up at the Battle of Broken Hill. And you're like, oh, there was no Battle of Broken Hill. Yeah, because no one knows it existed because the Enigma is displacing it from time. And you're like, oh, that's kind of neat. Does that should that even work on your PCs though? Because they've been living outside of time this whole goddamn time. Well, no, they'll show up and be, be like, like, "Oh, oh yeah, Battle it's the Broken Hill, Battle of Broken Hill." But to the rest of the world, they're like, "I have no idea what that means." I wonder how you convey that to your party. You like, you guys have shown up. You're at the Battle of Broken Hill. All the people who are here know there's a Battle of Broken Hill because they're literally at the Battle of Broken Hill. But then I guess you check your cell phones and and there's a dude on Twitter who's like, "You know what never happened, to you guys? It was definitely the Battle of Broken Hill." Well, the that shit's crazy, yo. The Enigma has a radius, mm-hmm. so it'll be like, "Oh yeah, within like a mile of wherever the Enigma is, which you have no idea where it is." Right. The then this time bubble is, but everywhere else it's just normal. Mm-hmm. So, uh you always show up to whoever calls you. Mhm. So if they call you because they're like, oh, something weird's going on. I need some help. Please, yeah. God, help me. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'll fiddle with this here puzzle box, I will. Oh, good golly willikers. Then you show up there and you're like, hello, mortal. <laughs> May I collect your meat? And, and they're like, no. Oh, very well, then. I'll just solve your problems. Oh, fine. <laughs> I have a baseball for a head. Cenobite P.I. is on the case. Are you freaked out yet? <laughs> Mind freak. Chris Angel, the Cenobite. <laughs> also, who gives a shit whether or not there was a battle of Broken Hill? Can I, really quick, would you believe that there was if I told you? Like, John, oh, during the Civil War, there was a battle of Broken Hill. I'd be like, yeah, sure, I guess. Uh, wounded knee. A- 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 Appomattox. Uh, <laughs> Chyler Ridge. Well, yeah, but it's 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 interesting at least that they're like, yeah, yeah there's weird bubbles. <laughs> they should have gone with something that everyone knows about. Ah. I mean, like there was a seventh episode or season of uh, wait a seventh season of Firefly. People <laughs> players be like, what? No, there fucking wasn't. What are you talking about? This makes no sense. We must be in a crazy magic place. Ah. <laughs> uh, although I love the. The whole, like, oh, yeah, there's a bubble of weird shit that happens. Mm-hmm. Because you can really triangulate where your enigma is when you go in and you're like, great, I'm just going to start walking until I go out of the bubble. And then I'm going to go back in and walk until I go out of the bubble. 
And I'm going to do this until I triangulate where the middle of this bubble is. <laughs> just math-solving horror movies. Oh, yeah. I you're like, like, I don't need sensitivity. Eat my dick. I'm just going to math this. <laughs> we're we're going to nerd hammer this problem. We just walk until someone tell, points out that the Battle of Broken Hill doesn't exist. Hey, buddy. You ever heard of the Battle of Broken Hill? I've heard it doesn't exist. Oh, good, good. Good. That's perfect because nine out of ten people I meet are just like, no, and, and they don't know whether or not it exists and they're useless to me. But you, you know it doesn't. Good job. I'm glad I found the one Civil War historian out here. Good job, buddy. Thank you. Now, if you don't mind, is there another Civil War historian about a mile to the west? Because I'm trying to do a thing. <laughs> no, just walk with me, buddy, and then just keep asking him. Hey, buddy, Battle of Broken Hill? Never happened. Hey, buddy, Battle of Broken Hill? Yep, happening right now, as a matter of fact. Oh, there we go. Uh, good, okay, gonna go this way. All right. <laughs> uh... All so, right. so yeah, the the way your dice work is, man, you really better have a good bonus if you want to do anything, because yeah. the easiest of the difficulties, it's like, this is routine, is an eight. Yeah. Now, let's say I roll five dice, because I'm actually fairly somewhat decent. I'm not amazing, but I'm decent at something. You're as good as a human is. No, I'm peak human. Yeah, I am you're Captain as good. America trying to do something. Yeah, so Captain America trying to solve a math problem. But... I've got like five dice. Mm-hmm. I roll, and I get maybe two threes and a four and a five, and that's basically it. So I've got a six. Yeah. If I don't have a bonus to that skill, I failed a routine check of something. Yeah, which basically suggests to me that humans in this world are incapable of anything. Oh yeah, they're just I'm, bumbling about. And most of the time, if they meet mm-hmm. like a centibite, they get. Uh, like a dice penalty or yeah, the dice cap as well. Only if they realize that it's a centibite, which you're not supposed to let them do. It, it, it's it's a big old no-no in the game to like th- cast off the veil or whatever. Oh, yeah, because this game has that thing where it's like, oh, yeah, you look like a crazy gross monster, but everyone thinks you look normal because there's a veil. Because you're wearing a magic veil, and if you want, you can cast it off, but that'll draw the attention of the powers that be. Yeah, if you, if you fuck up the world around you too much like if you just walk into an area and you're like what's up bitches who wants to get stabbed i got a baseball for a head then you know you're gonna you're you're probably just gonna get thrown in that whispering vault as well hey y'all who wants to try wrigley's big league chew i i like that that being uncoupled from baseball head is a thing the powers that be hate. Is they're like, how dare you offer a mortal big league chew? That stuff's so hard to find now. I have to build a whole new aesthetic just to make it. <laughs> but no, he's just some baseball mascot. That's what I'm a baseball head man. I've got nails sticking out of there. And they're like, oh, you must be for like the Pittsburgh Pirates or something. What are you? What are you doing here, buddy? What, what, what's it's, up, man? It's 1863. We're all at the Battle of Broken Hill. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh yeah, are you? Do you reckon? Do you represent Abner Doubleday's great game? <laughs> so you've got all of these various skills, and the most you can have in any of them to start is a plus six. Yes, that's the highest you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do that, you're severely limiting your other skills because it's usually the, the two to four range. Well, yeah, you want to mix start, in the two to four. Yeah, range. like I said, you'll start with a couple at four. Yeah, a couple more at three. Uh, a whole bunch at plus two, and then you get a few points to fill in so you can either raise some of the ones you already have or you can get new skills yes uh though i would say honestly what you have to do is go all right who's the binding guy yeah a couple of you are going to go you're a plus six binding i don't give a fuck that's what you do you 
You are plus like six sensitivity. Plus, you're plus six on sensitivity. One of you is plus six on attack. We're going to need one guy to do banish, and then then we need at least two of us to go attack. And, and you're defend, probably going to just take whoever the presence guy is. You're like, your two fours are going into like banish and binding, and you're getting a plus six in both of them. Eat my ass. Yeah. I don't care. You have to. And as we gain experience, you can pick up all the other shit in there because you also get access to charm, evoke, intimidate, and mask. <laughs> all right. So uh, we kind of glossed over the story that replaces Hellraiser's story and, and how these characters come into existence. Uh, you are you're playing as some human from some time period. It doesn't matter what. You can be from the future or the past or whatever. Yeah. And you realize that there's crazy magic in the world, and then some weird dudes show up, and they're like, hey, buddy. You want to spend eternity chasing weirder dudes than us? <laughs> and if you're like, yes, I do, then they, they take your mortal form and replace it with a crazy, weird-looking ghost body and five keys. Yeah, so... We have to talk about the keys because I didn't want to breeze over that. Yeah, you've got your five keys of humanity, mm -hmm. and it's what tethers you to the physical realm so that you can go back and forth between... Sort of the ethereal realm where all the ghosts and whatnot are, mm -hmm. and the physical realm. But your five keys represent things about you. Yeah. And one of them always has to be compassion. Yes, because uh, stalkers have compassion. Uh, otherwise, they'd just be demons. Yeah, otherwise you'd just show up in some area and start murdering everything until you finish. Yeah, or until the powers that be just zap you, because there's this game's got a lot of railroad mechanics to make sure that your players don't play it like they're monsters. Goddamn, does it ever. Yeah, so like if you go off, off the rails, it's got like a four-tiered railroading mechanic that's yeah, like... Yeah, it's like, the powers that be give you a mental warning. Hey, buddy, knock that off. And uh, if you ignore that, they're like, they start fucking with you. Like they give you, you a headache. Penalties. Yeah, you get a headache and some penalties. And eventually, they just rip you up. Yep, eventually, you just get, like, pulled into the nothing and thrown into the Whispering Vault. Yep, so so uh, you need to have that compassion there so that your character doesn't just killed, get killed by railroad mechanics. Yeah. So one of them's compassion, and then the rest are all, uh, like, emotions that you felt were important to your character or strong weaknesses that your character possessed. And they don't really do much. It's just it's just sort of there for role-playing. It's kind of like the alignment of this system. Oh, yeah. You just go like, okay, well, unfortunately, when I was a human, I had cowardice as one of my keys. Uh, I'm going to have uh, compassion because I have to. I'm going to have, like, a love of technology you could do. You can just do weird things. And they are, they are tiered. They go from your most important to your least important. So if you're really feeling like playing an asshole, you can put compassion at your fifth key. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And the I, keys are literal keys. Your keys can be stolen. Yes, people can take your keys, although they don't have to look like keys. No. Like, a lot of people, they look like prayer beads, or I guess they look like extra baseballs you got on underneath your baseball face. This is baseball cards. Just baseball cards. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Louise Compassion. Uh, he's a shortstop, and... <laughs> Man, I can't. I can't even tell you how excited I am to make bonus content characters for this one because because <laughs> you could just make whatever nonsense you want, and it, 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 we're just setting baseball headman as a standard. Uh, so the the thing with the keys is you can always summon them back to you as soon as you realize they're gone. Yeah, unless someone has done some weird mystic thing and stops that. From but in the meantime, someone's broken into your shed and taken all your like paint sprayers and that that lawn killer that you need for when your dirt section gets all weedy. Yep. So you got to make sure you hang on to those keys. You got to have them keys because if you are without your keys for like 
several hours, you just wither away and die. Yeah, or, or like your bike's going to stay locked up in front of the movie theater for months until eventually the, some city official snips it loose. Yeah. So you don't want that to happen. So you make really sure you don't. hang on to your keys or get the five padlocks of humanity, ah. which is just as easy. And, and, you know, it depends on if you're good at remembering like numbers or not. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> damn it. So, like, for example, a character will have things like my five keys are anger, uh, empathy, lust, cowardice, and compassion. Yeah. So, oh, and then you just look like whatever you want. Yeah, you, you get to decide whatever you want. You also, weirdly enough, you get a domain. Oh, yeah, you get your own little hell dimension you get to hang out in. Thing is, it's not even like, oh, it's a hell dimension. You can, you can have it be whatever you want. If you want it to be a tranquil forest, mm-hmm. you can do that. And that's where you hang out in between adventures, but it does nothing. Well, yeah, yeah, it's just important for the story. It's just, hey, when you get your, like, page on your ghost beeper that you're hanging out in your weird castle that you normally are in, and then you leave it. I mean, can you invite the other uh, stalkers, Cenobites, to your house? I would assume so. (laughs) I just want to be the one guy who was gross horror one. It's like, hey, guys, come on over. We're having pizza. Incidentally, my domain is basically like the inside of someone's lung. Yeah, I was going to say, come to my meat palace. (laughs) It's all spikes in here. It's just spike dimension. Come on over, guys. We're playing Mario Kart. Ah, I have a chair made out of nerve endings. You're like, come on, man. It screams when you sit on it. (laughs) Dude, can you just go... Uh, mine, come on. My dimension's just a Dave and Buster's. Can we... Come on, man. We got we got Skee-Ball. We got that Hydro Thunder where there's four of them hooked up. Come on. Come on, bro. I don't want to go over there. It's nothing but eyelids. <laughs> Every time I walk over there, your carpet admonishes me for all the bad I've done. Also, your doorknob tries to get away because it hurts it for me to turn it. I hate <laughs> I hate your stupid dimension. It's the worst. I just, I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. No one likes going to Carl's house. <laughs> Carl likes going to Carl's house. <laughs> Carl is also made of eyelids. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's just one of the fun things that you get to design in this game is your own cool little hell dimension. There, it's like a clubhouse you get to hang out with and the, with the rest of your group. Yeah, uh, and then um, so we, there's the disciplines. We should talk about the powers you get to choose from. Yeah, I already mentioned the three that actually matter. There are a few other ones, though. There, there are things like you can uh, transmogrify your physical form to look like any kind of human, or you can turn yourself invisible, or, you know. Well, there's stuff like, oh, I've got Terrify. This only works on humans. So, again, it's sort of like the Servitors, which are, like, I can summon some dudes to fuck up technology. This doesn't matter. Or I can suck, sum up, summon up some... Like little guys that attack you, yeah. but they'll only attack humans? Now, you get a set number of these. Every player gets a set number of these disciplines, and there are two ways you can go about it. You can either like take five. I think it's five. So you can either take all five as, as individual disciplines, or you could spend two of your points on one discipline and get a mastered form of it. Yeah, the ma- you can do a master of both the disciplines and the servitors. Yes. So if you do a mastered form of a discipline, you get a bunch of new powers that unlock with it, and it's easier to use. Yeah, so the way it works is, unless it is very specifically like Savage, which is just plus two to your damage, if you master it, it's plus three. Yeah, and I think it gives you another bonus as well. Something about how it like, ignores some some points of armor or something. But the, the thing with uh, a lot of the mastered, weirder disciplines, so the stuff that isn't just straight up like, I can attack at range or I can do whatever, yeah. is it lets you improv using the power. Yeah. So if I have Terrify and I want to make it mastered, yeah, 
I can go ahead and say to a guy, all right, I'm going to use Terrify to stop this mortal's heart mm-hmm. and make him pass out. And it won't kill him, but he'll just go unconscious. And you're like, okay, that's a way that you can use your power. Sure, I guess. Yeah, there's one called Weave that lets you make stuff. And if you have it unmastered, you can be like, I summoned a baseball. <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> but uh, if you have it mastered, then you can summon a really big thing, except that instead of uh, instead of lasting forever, like the small stuff you summon, it eventually starts to disintegrate in your hands unless you spend a point of your own hit points to keep it alive. Yeah. Because a lot of powers in this game use vitality as a mana mechanic in addition to it being your hit points. Oh, yeah. And that's really why the uh, the guys who aren't your combat dudes are going to probably be running low on vitality as well, not because they're getting hit, but they're hanging back, and every time you try to banish it's vitality. it's yeah. vitality to do. Yeah, so uh, so basically, uh, there's a couple players who are just, I'm the combat monkey, I'm going to get out in front of you and fight unbidden and shadows and minions and mortals and shit, uh, but we need our vitality to not die. You guys, on the other hand, it's straight up your mana resource, your binary, as long as you have one vitality at the end of this mission, you're fine. Yeah. So you guys are going to spend it on trying to banish people and sense things and summon dudes. Oh, yeah. So the the weird powers, a lot of them use vitality. And the only problem with that is, like I said, unless you are really good at doing whatever that thing is, there is a very good chance you will fail. Yeah. Like, okay, the we said there were three forms of the unbidden that come in. Yes, we haven't talked about that yet. There is... Uh, the Beast and something in the Architect. I can never remember what the second one is. It's like Seeker or something. I forget. Yeah, yeah it's but yeah, it's the one who's figured out what he is, and he's he's hasn't got pow- like superpower yet, but he's he's aware. Like when you come yeah. in, w- when these unbidden disconnect themselves from the web of dreaming and come into reality to eat corn dogs, the first thing they do is like, oh my god, I forgot why I'm here, and I'm just a being of pure hunger. Yeah, they are the like the energy that it took to break through. They are ravenous, and they need to consume, like, vitality from people, and it doesn't even need to be flesh, but sometimes they'll eat flesh or drink blood or whatever, so you can get a vampire thing, but... It's the stranger. There you oh, go. the stranger. Yeah, the beast, the stranger, and then the architect. Yeah. So the the Ergo. beast, however, is the first one. So it's like, oh, we're going to get the uh, the guy when he first comes through. Yeah. Now, the weird thing to me is, looking at this stat-wise... It is basically impossible to do anything to him once you beat up his mortal form. Because there's two forms. There's yeah, his go, mortal corpus, yeah. and when you rip that away, then he like bubbles out of it and is his huge gross monster. He turns into an avatar. And his avatar is insanely powerful. Yes. Now, as you go along, like the architect is more incorporated into the flesh. So the difference between his flesh and his avatar is minimal. Yeah. But the beast is like, if you rip this flesh away, he's just pure energy fuck you. Well, here, let me. I can give you the example because I'm looking at the stat line right now. So let's say, for example, that you're playing some starting members of the uh, the stalkers. I actually did a, uh, oh, combat, a, mock, a mock of combat of the... They have some pre-gens. starting stalkers, the pre-gens in this. Yeah. And I did a pre-gens versus a beast unbidden. Mm-hmm. And two of them died before I managed to bind him. Right. Because the thing has a, a uh, attack value of 11, so it's very likely to hit your defense. 
You have to you have to roll. You have to have at least a plus five to defend and get a six to successfully defend anything it swings at you. Yeah, and that's that's just on. That's its right. I'm sorry. That's its human yeah, that's form. That's just its human form, when which is shit. Its its avatar attack form has an attack value of 17. Oh yeah. So that's I don't even know how you manage to bind him at all because you can't no. hit him. The you don't have to hit him to bind him. Look at what his uh, it's like resistance is. Uh, yeah, his uh, resolve. I want to say resolve. That's yeah. it. Twenty three. Twenty three is the number you have to hit in order to bind him. Yeah. I had a character. One of the pre-gen characters had seven dice in presence mm-hmm. and a plus six to binding. Right. Now, the thing is, it meant all right. I spend a vitality. I roll a whole bunch of dice. Did I manage to get? like a 17 on all of these no okay next turn and i don't even know if you can get a 17 specific specific no you can't you well, can get no, a, you but get it, a 16 it would or be 18. like three sixes or whatever yeah yeah but the the thing was uh the mortal form of the beast is garbage and my combat guy punched his corpus off in the first round i guess you're not supposed to right you're supposed to just bind him while he's immortal and his his you defense can't. you have to bind the avatar ah okay so that means you have to bind just beat the crap out of him, and then get killed by the god that was in there. Oh yeah, or it's, I guess you could just shadow him until he turns into the next form, and it gets easier. Because the the well, it takes like centuries for that to happen. I know. So, well, what do you care? You live outside of time. Just yeah. let him. Just let him creep up some nonsense for a while. So the weird thing is, it's like, oh, combat guy walked up, punched his flesh off in one turn, mm-hmm. and then he jumped out and immediately wrecked everybody. <laughs> So the numbers maybe don't add up as well as they ought to in this book is what we're getting across here. Yeah, the because the adventures are like basically supposed to be balanced around the fact that the beast is going to be solo. Yeah, you're fighting him by himself because he hasn't figured out how to use weird powers or how to summon minions or do anything like that. Mm-hmm. The stranger has a little bit better mortal stats, a little bit worse avatar stats yeah but it might have a few minions and a couple powers yes and then the architect has kind of not amazing stats between the two of them but it's supposed to have like this army of guys at its disposal including like human agents i don't even understand how an architect is supposed to come into existence because it doesn't it doesn't make sense the whole thing is you play as a time displaced gross police force you can't show up until someone calls you Ah, okay. Which means that if an enigma shows up and, like, some unbidden rolls through town and just fucks shit up, unless someone specifically calls out to you to come get this guy, you don't show up. So the way architects come into existence is if no one bothers to call for help for, like, 1,500 years. Well, no one calls for help for, like, oh, I need the ancient gods to help me. Oh, okay. So if someone's just like, police help, that doesn't call you. <laughs> so... For example, you can't call yourself police guy. You're like, I'm the police Cenobite. Uh, my, my name, my my Cenobite name is the police. I'm 911. I'm made out of policemen and ambulances. <laughs> well, I just figured out what I'm making for the bonus I content. Got a big siren head. <laughs> got a big siren for a head. Oh, I love it. <laughs> my arms and legs are made out of police dogs. <laughs> I'm adorable. Uh, I'm an adorable monster. So... Yeah, it's the numbers in this are the big thing for me that I'm like, man, this sort of doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's got some issues. I mean, it's it's innovative. It certainly isn't a game engine I've seen before. Uh, and as much as as much as we're kind of saying that it's clearly just a White Wolf ripoff, it doesn't have a lot of the old White Wolf trappings. No. Uh, for example, there aren't five types of hell of stalkers you can play as. No, there's not. 
uh, like dots in things. It feels like the system is very much removed. You're not really looking for successes as much as a threshold. Yeah. So as much as it might remind you of White Wolf well, just because of the fact that it's horror. The horror trappings and the fact that you can easily pinpoint the uh, the source material. Yes. Because that's the thing with White Wolf is you can always be like, what is it, vampires? I know what vampires is. I'm up to speed. Let's move on. But this is like, oh, this is based on Clive Barker. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. Not even just Hellraiser, but there's a little bit of some of his other crap in here too. Oh, yeah. If you like uh, Clive Barker's Night Beasts or I don't even... I Night can't, Breed? Night Breed, thank you. Yes. Hellman's... <laughs> Yeah, if if you want to play Clive the Barkering. <laughs> yeah, then this is a great game. So, uh, all right, we got one last thing to talk about before we get into favorites and least favorites, and that's the Servitors. And and again, we mentioned earlier that they're like little goopy monsters you can summon. There are like 20 kinds of them, and every one of them is a single purpose whatever. Oh, yeah. So it's like uh, you can summon gremlins, yeah. and they are like classic idea of gremlins. They mess up technology, yeah, and that's all they do. You can summon vampires, and vampires make mortals nearby weak and woozy because they get all their blood. Yeah. Uh, you can summon gauntled grims, which make the, the a neighborhood or an, a region that they're summoned into kind of weak and out of phase with reality, so you can like walk through walls while they're there. There's uh, ones that are specifically for eating dead bodies, which yeah. is, or, you know, uh, inanimate objects. So if you can be like, oh, I don't want this door here, and I don't have the ability to phase through it, and for some reason I can't punch my way through it, I'll summon these little eater guys, and they'll eat it up. And I'm sorry, Glimmer Gaunts don't work the way I said they do, and also they're not called Gauntlegrims. Uh, Glimmer Gaunts work by letting you see through physical objects, not walk through physical yes. objects. Yeah. It lets you just see stuff with x-ray vision. There's also... Uh, some weird, like, little flying things that get in the way of ranged attacks. Yeah, that's flits. Yeah, the flits are the, interesting. I think the flits are the best one, because if you're working with your group when you start up your 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 uh, you know character creation, you'd be like, all right, everybody, let's all agree, no ranged weapons. Oh, yeah. Is everyone, everyone on board? Okay, great. Then I'm going to take summoning flits, and I'm going to make ranged weapons just not a thing in this yeah, game. Yeah, I'm going to get mastery of flits, and it's just going to be like... Boop, here they are, yeah. and don't shoot me. Because the way it works with servitors is summoning them is a fairly complicated action that can be hard to pull off. You have to like roll dice and, and succeed. Oh, yeah, it's but, like a ritual you have to do unless you're a master. But if you're mastered, then you just snap your fingers and you get them. Yeah, it's like, oh, instead of taking like 10 minutes to do, it's one round action. You do it in combat, which means that uh, something like that, where you're like, everyone in this party fights with baseball bats, and uh, I make ranged weapons pointless. Yeah. Then you're good to go. All right, so that'll cover what those are and how mastery works for them. One last thing I really wanted to talk about in this game because I uh -huh. thought it was actually innovative is the group powers. Oh, yeah, those were interesting. Yeah, none of them are very good, but it's a neat concept. It's uh, as you progress in experience in an attempt to make it so that your group of, of uh, Cenobites or Stalkers or whatever are a bit more connected between yeah, you them. Yeah, a little more cohesion there. Become a party, so to speak, is that you can get powers that you can use as a group. And they, they do things like, uh, one of them is pretty crazy. It's an XP bank. Yeah. Uh, but there are other ones that are like mass rend, where you can shoot a bigger blast of energy by working as a group, or you can you can kind of teleport to places. They're all they're group powers that are a bit more powerful than the regular disciplines, uh, but they are, to use them, everyone in the party has to use them at the same time. Yeah. And you, you have to throw, like everyone has to throw their XP into it. Like, yeah. one person can't just be like, I'm the group power bitch, and I just keep buying group powers for us. Everyone has to throw in. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh there is one more mechanic, by the way, that I did want to mention because oh, we sure. haven't yet. Yeah, which is karma. 
Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, karma is your brownie points. It's your fate points. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. It lets you do a reroll, and you can reroll as many or as few of the dice on a roll as you want, which is one of the few ways you can really try to fish for those good things. So you can try and do Yahtzee. So you're like, okay, I rolled. I really need an 18 to bind this guy. I got two sixes. So you've I'm got spend a karma point, grab everything but the sixes, and re-roll those. So you're di- so basically your binding is twin linked. Yeah. So so to speak, in 40k terms. Yeah. So the the karma is spend this to do a re-roll, mm-hmm. and you'll get that for like you'll get a couple points at the end of a session, mostly for you didn't break the uh, the powers that be's rules. Right. Uh, and you can lose karma for being a huge jerk-off, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, again, this game has a really strong railroad structure. Oh, yeah. But the karma is, honestly, the me- the only thing in this game, the mechanic that makes it so you can probably do your job. Yes. Because the few roles that really matter, the binding, the banishing, the stuff like that, are like, okay, I may only have, like, four points of karma, but I'm only using them for these. Yeah. Now, there's the only other thing we didn't talk about is the shadows, which is one of the types of monsters you can fight. I couldn't even read their section because they hit a... At that point, the game hit critical mass on words that are regular words that are capitalized to let you know that they're game terms. Oh, yeah. And so, by the time you're reading shadows, you're like, a shadow is a creature that uses an ability, and every one of these words is means like three paragraphs worth of stuff in this game, and I just couldn't keep track of what the fuck. They're monsters. Yeah, shadows are things that aren't in the ethereal or flesh realm. They can go in between, and occasionally the unbidden will put flesh on one of them mm-hmm. to make it a minion, and that's his version of servitors are minions. Yes, normally so, shadows aren't really, they're neutral. They're, they're, they're fine with you, and some of them will even show up and help you out with stuff. Oh yeah, you so, can find shadows and just be like, Hey, dude, uh, you noticed anything weird here? And they're going to be like, Hi, Aquaman! (laughs) I'm a fish! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are some shadows that are basically that, that are just like, I don't know, I'm a thing, bye! Uh, I don't like light! (laughs) Okay, well, have you seen any creepy things? I don't like light! Okay, great, thank you, Shadow. One time a bigger shadow got over me and I thought I was gone! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But sometimes, like... The, the worm that you crawl through is basically a shadow. Yeah, it's, it's a big shadow. It's just likes you. Yeah, and, and eventually it can get to the point where it likes you enough to summon a physical form that, that hangs out with you instead of just it eating you and pooping you every adventure. Oh, yeah, there's ancient versions of this worm that's like, oh, I've gotten so ridiculously used to these Cenobites in particular, and I like them so much that I'm just going to craft a, a little body for myself to go walk around with you. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. All right, John, let's get to the meat of this thing. Uh, this yes, is the meat. <laughs> let's go on down to Carl's house. <laughs> Carl likes Carl's house. <laughs> Carl just added a breakfast nook. It's made of blood vessels. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you to meet my butler, a hemogoblin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carl, your house is disgusting. I hate this. You got squirting blood all over my toast. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Let me get you some more. That's gross. You're right. <laughs> my, my bad. I'm really more about the decor than the than the food. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, let's check out my big screen TV. It only shows videos of you dying on a loop. <laughs> all right. So, John, what would you say is your favorite thing? About the Whispering Vault. Uh, I mean, 
I like a lot of the mechanics for certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was interesting. But I, God, I want to say the art. The art is so good in this. It really is. It it's, makes it's me great happy. Goop. It's great, stupid goop art. Oh, yeah. Every time it's like, here's a picture of something. I'm like, that thing is great. I love yeah. that thing. The one exception is there's a picture of what the guardians are supposed to look like. The gar- they're, the, they're the walls that live inside the worms that won't let you go. Yeah. And the picture is this hilarious alive cliff face. And it's just the oh it, yeah, it's so poorly drawn. It looks like it should have like debt hastily scrolled on it so it could be published in the New York Post. Ah. <laughs> it's just a giant dumb tooth face, just sort of like I'm the national debt. Ah. I'm trying to eat Hillary's missing shoe. Yeah, the that picture in particular is stupid, but yeah. for the most part, every other picture in the book is phenomenal. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and take the art. What do you got? Uh, I'm gonna say the fluidity of character creation. Um, just about every stat in this game is weighted very well. Oh yeah, so that you don't feel like dexterity is king. And in fact, if you did, you don't have to worry about it because you, if you're like so hopped up on dexterity, go ahead and build your meat with more dexterity next time. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I thought they did a great job on weighting the stats so that a, a, a party of characters is balanced. I, the only problem you're going to run into is that kind of board game armchair quarterback issue where, like John was talking about, you you need to be good at binding because no one in this party has binding yet. So character creation might as well just be a shared group activity where you cover all the bases. Oh, yeah. You're basically going to sit down and go, all right, these are the things we need to be good at. Yeah. Uh, Who wants to take what? So outside of that, though, I love the fluidity of character creation. There's no classes. There's no races. It's just make a goopy, spiky monster and then give it some stats and skills. Yep. So that's pretty fun. Um, So I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that the stat weighting and the the, uh, character creation are my favorite part. What would you say is your least favorite part of the Whispering Vault? Uh, the actual numbers for things, like I'd mentioned before, the math mostly doesn't pan out. Uh, the, like the powers you get and the servitors you can have and everything make it seem like you've got a lot of stuff at your disposal. Mm -hmm. But for most of the stuff where it's like, oh, I'm fighting an unbidden or whatever, they don't care and will beat the shit out of you. So yeah, it's... A lot of the numbers that you have to hit are just out of reach most of the time. Yeah, so that's that's definitely a problem. So you're just basically going to say the math. Yeah, the math is bad. You're going to have to spend karma points most of the time to do anything important. Yeah, all right. All right, and what would you say is your least favorite? Uh, I'm going to say the on-the-rails nature of the game is my least favorite part of this. Uh not only is every adventure more or less the same adventure, because the game's got a very structured formula, which, you know, makes sense. The Cenobites aren't really, like, creatures of, you know, trying out new... Th- I mean, they're supposed to be like, oh, we're we're experiencing whole new levels of pain. And I mean, Granted, these aren't <laughs> Cenobites. I keep, I keep calling them Cenobites, but these are stalkers, which are basically like cosmic goop policemen. But, I mean, realistically, come on, these are Cenobites. Oh, yeah. And, and But the thing is, they just do the same thing every adventure. Someone calls for help. You go help them. You have to fight a wall inside of a worm. You, get to, you stop at a man who gives you some stats. You suss out what the problem with the magic is, and then maybe you find maybe you find a horrifying monster that kills you, or maybe you don't. But either way, you call up the worm Uber again and go home. Yeah, the, it was one of those things reading through it. I was like, this seems weird, because basically any other game, you would be able to be like, all right, I'm an adventurer. And even if your like, DM went, okay, there's a dungeon. you got to go to that dungeon. If literally every session was... You are in town. There is a dungeon. Go to that dungeon. I'd be like, dude, come on, man. Would you play in encounters? What is this? And then, but this is like every single one is literally like someone calls you, summon worm, go through worm, 
find a thing, fix thing, go through worm. Like, you have to do it every time. Yeah, it, it, and there's mechanics in the system for the DM to use if you try to do something else. If you're like, fuck it, I'm going to show everyone how I'm a gross monster. It's like, okay, you get thrown in the Whispering Vault, make another character. Yeah, no. and, or if you're even just like, oh, I show up, and I haven't been able to find this enigma or this thing. But you know what I like is corn dogs and skee-ball, and my stalker goes ahead and gets fucking corn dogs and skee-ball. Heads to Coney Island. We're going we're gonna to corn dog and skee-ball it up. Then... Again, you're just going to have like the powers that be be like, yo, cosmic policeman, why are you such a goofus? I mean, yeah, I, granted, all that really means is that you need to make your, your demeans or dominion or whatever the fuck your home dimension is, like a, a Dave and Buster's or a, a, I don't know, who's got like family fun center? Oh, yeah. Like a boomer's? There you go. <laughs> you, get, you get some mini golf, you got some arcade machines there. Come on down to my home dimension. Unlike Carl's gross blood vessel dimension, I've got bumper boats. I've got real, real mediocre pizza. I've got the most rickety. <laughs> I've got the most rickety Ferris wheel in the nine counties. <laughs> Come on down. You can get all the way up to the top of this thing. You can see the end of the Walmart parking lot. I've got go karts, but don't bump into anybody, okay? Oh no, those are race cars, sir. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to bump, you get in a bumper boat. Yes, you do. Yeah, my bumper boats have those little guns. You can shoot water. I've got the laziest mini golf course you have ever seen. There are at least five holes in each one of the courses that are just a regular straight line, but there's a wacky statue nearby. <laughs> Man, those are the best. <laughs> Man, fuck this. Let's go to Boomers. <laughs> Dude, today's bonus content's going to be us recording live, playing some mini golf. <laughs> I don't take you to a mini golf right now. You're just going to hork up all over the 17th hole. That's fine. If I, if I can spit a loogie into the hole on the 18th, I get a free game. <laughs> we can go when you're healthy. <laughs> Right now, you should stay in your Mama Celeste pizza box cocoon. <laughs> Until I'm done baking. All right. Uh, so, would you play the Whispering Vault? Um, I mean, I would probably give it a go, but I feel like... I feel like it's a one-timer. Yeah, I feel like my complaints would probably pan out to the point where I was like, yeah, this doesn't seem like I would keep playing it, but I would probably do a one-shot goofity centibite thing yeah of course i feel like this is a good one-timer game this is to me this kind of because you're right about the math it feels like whenever you get one of those those uh board games or, or card games that are designed to be punishing yeah you know, like that oregon trail card game for example which is like look at this it's haha you, uh, you all died haha <laughs> remember the oregon trail everyone died you were bitten by a snake goodbye it's like, haha, okay, I get the joke, but this isn't a very good game. Yeah, it's a it's a crap game. You only want to play it once, and that's kind of, I feel like without fixing the math, that's how I feel about this. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's just an experience generator. You get your experience, and then you're like, okay, now I'm done. Yeah, so there we go. So it's a, it's a one-timer for both of us. It's a good one-shot of a game. Yeah. All right, uh, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, nope. Okay. Nope. I think I'm going to go crawl into a hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, a shredded cocoon of spit and Mama Celeste pizza boxes. We've got a theme to maintain, and don't you tell me you normally eat Red Barons or whatever it is. Don't don't you dare. Don't, don't you ruin the mythology. <laughs> don't you contradict this now. You yes and this I've Mama got a Celeste. script Bible, son. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so folks, thanks so much for listening. As always, uh, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com, System Mastery on Facebook, Gmail, or Twitter. If you want to add comments or... Uh, make suggestions or send us more books or movie recommendations for our Movie Mastery podcast. Uh, you can do all of those things easily. We are very easy to talk to. Uh, let's see, what else? If you like bonus content, if you want to hear even more of this, I don't know why you would, but if you do, 
You can support us on Patreon. If you do that, for any amount of money, you get our bonus content, which is us making characters in these games. Oh, yeah. We are going to make some weird goop monsters. You just wait. Oh, boy. I can't wait to make Mr. Football for a head. (laughs) Uh, You're going to make Hey Arnold? (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm going to make Stewie Griffin. Oh, okay. (laughs) Let's make both of them now. (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. We're the football team. (laughs) That's our our team name. Yeah. (laughs) It's just those two, and then we'll make a third one that's Joe Montana. (laughs) He's just like, why am I? I hate this. I hate you so much. I hate these things. <laughs> so, all right. Um, like I said, support us on the Patreon at any amount. We are pushing hard towards our final, our next goal on the Patreon, which is new game content. Us playing new games. So help us out with that. We're pushing towards it. We're getting there. Otherwise, we just passed 300 people on that Patreon uh, subscriber list. So thank you so much for your donations. Otherwise, we have been the System Mastery Podcast. Uh, Oh, I guess we should do some event announcements because we're going to have some live appearances here pretty soon. Ooh. Yeah, I, by live appearances, I mean you can find us at conventions and say hi. Well, you know, assuming I'm still alive, there will be live appearances. If Je- if John- Otherwise, it'll be a weekend at Bernie's situation <laughs> with System Mastery showing up. Yeah, it's going to be me hauling him around in a wagon. No, it's it's going to be you playing Calypso music as I dance around. <laughs> so it's a weekend at Bernie's 2 situation? Yes. <laughs> Great. I'll get some Calypso music on a giant, giant-ass boombox. Which is going to be hard for me to find anyway. Yeah. And then I'll just walk around. Just give me, give me a tracksuit and some sunglasses and I am good to go. Dude, I think I want to do that anyway. <laughs> that's going to be the first day of Kingdom Con now. Uh. Incidentally, we will be at Kingdom Con. That's going to be April 27th through the 30th here at San Diego. It's a really, really good convention. If you don't do anything else, come on down. Try out their drunk quest, which is the greatest thing I've ever done at a convention ever. Oh, yeah. It's uh, It's good. Tabletop gaming, mostly board gaming, uh, war gaming, stuff like that. Yeah, but it's uh, a really fun You will fun find one. some like Pathfinder Society, some D&D stuff going on. Oh, yeah. There is RP going on, and there's a, there's a decent little vendor hall. You can find some stuff. Plus, we'll be there. And I'll, I'll be there. Yeah, John will be there, dead or alive. Yeah, DOA. Yeah. Dead on arrival. So that's the I'm April. I'm going to reach the Kingdom Con and fall down at the steps. So that's April 27th through 30th. And then after that, if you're looking to find us at a convention, you'll be able to find us at KublaCon uh, up in the Bay Area. I don't even remember what the hell city it's in. It's in San something or other. Uh, it's, Is it it's, San Jose or San Rafael? or It's San Felipe, San San Donatello. Juan, Is it San Leonardo? <laughs> it's in the Bay Area. Yeah. It's called Ku- it's basically south of San Francisco. Yeah, it's, 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 it's called Kublacon. San Clemente. You, you find know. it. You figure it out. <laughs> Whatever. San Clemente's near us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking of every San anything I can think of. <laughs> That's going to be May 24th through 26th. That's another really good role-playing game convention. You'll be able to find us there, too. Yeah, that's that's much more role-playing game than anything. And yeah. uh, we will definitely be there doing some stupid stuff. Doing whatever the fuck we want. We'll have some Pro- cobbler. Probably <laughs> probably eating hot dogs. Probably go leaving immediately and getting them hot dogs. <laughs> probably showing up for an hour, meeting one person, and leaving and getting hot dogs. <laughs> or going to that freaking place in Oakland that was so damn good. Ooh, yeah, baby. Man, I can't wait to do that again. All right, so that's it, folks. Thanks so much for listening to System Mastery, and have a wonderful week. 